Demons Discuss, Take 35, the one with wordplay, swordplay, and bloodplay. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hi. And what are we talking about today, Jean? We are talking about the hay barn at Champier and all the deliciousness that's wrapped up in that. No delicious <laughs> assholes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, this is an asshole-free episode. Yay. <laughs> And you would think that our title just has to do with that scene, but it doesn't. And we'll get to that. Wait, there's more. (laughs) There's more. All right, let me get this out of the way. This podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. If you're interested in supporting us and keeping us independent and ad-free, visit us at patreon.com slant demons discuss and you will have access to things like our wonderful ditch driving wagon gear and the after show podcast exclusively available to all of our patrons. Yay! Woohoo! Yeah, thank you. We have discusser emails, but before we get to those, we do have a voicemail from Ms. Linda Moore. Speakpipe, better yet. From Speakpipe, yes! I love the Speakpipe. She came out so clear. Yes, the underused resource. Yeah, it's free. It's international. It's crystal clear. Very clear. I don't have to do any editing unless you want me to, because it's so clear. I can just paste it into our feed and it's there and you guys can hear it. Anyway, let me not go on and on, but SpeakPipe, it's there. Use it. It's speakpipe.com slash demons discuss. If you want to send us a quick and easy voicemail, you'll have 90 seconds. So basically get your thoughts together and then send us a quick voicemail. So we are starting with our voicemail. So let's listen to Linda. Hello, demons. Linda Moore here from Hertfordshire. It's a very snowy day here and I needed no more excuse to curl up with a good book. I thought I'd drop you a voicemail saying that I'm really looking forward to hearing you discussing the expensive assassination of Louis. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on that discussed in your own inimitable and very funny way. Thanks very much. Bye. So what do you think? Um, Could be either way. It could be funny, could be interesting, could be both. I know. <laughs> I mean, that is included in this chapter, but who knows? Stay tuned. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> this yeah. might be the funniest you get from us, Linda. <laughs> I think we have to dedicate some thought and time to it and we'll get to it and we'll we'll see. We won't know what comes out of our mouth till what really is going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So let's go to discuss our emails. Who wants to start? I'll start. I have an email from New England Angela. She says, good morning, ladies. Let me start by saying chapter 11 may be my absolute favorite chapter in Shadow of Night. Needless to say, I could spend hours talking about everything that happens in this chapter, but I'll be as brief as I can. She talks, uh, highlights actually some of her favorite points, which is the humor, the family tree, especially the daughters and Louis and Margot, and Benjamin. First, we hear of Benjamin. She wonders what will be revealed in the world of all souls. And she talks a little bit more about Benjamin, saying, during that initial read of this book, I think I always just glanced over the name and the little details that were dropped about him in this chapter. Philippe says, those whom the gods wish to destroy, they first make mad. Benjamin certainly had no problem making those in his path equally as mad as he was. Shortly after, we get the glimpse of those inky black eyes in Matthew's blood rage consuming his body. Philippe uttering those famous words, think, stay alive. Then Philippe starts to put pieces together and realizing Diana was the reason he lost the battle in Madison against Juliet. She goes on with very, very good quotes 
that underscore her point. And the full email will be in the show notes. But she closes with, and this is where Matthew's transformation into a different vampire begins to shine for me after this chapter. He absolved himself of so many past haunts and secrets he's held inside that now he truly can begin living his life. That's all for now, demons. Can't wait to hear all your thoughts in this chapter in the podcast. Kisses, Angela. Thanks, Angela. Yay. Thank you. Jean, who do you have? I have one from Melanie. And again, she's got a ton of great thoughts, so I'm going to hit the high points. Thoughts on Chapter 11. For someone who is so worried about how their being in the past impacts the future, I found it interesting to read Diana writing in the margins of the Declaremont Alchemical books, hoping to leave help for the folks of the future. Wouldn't she have been worried about others seeing a strange hand in the book? And then she, she also makes some wonderful points about how Philippe baits Matthew in the hay barn scene and how he was trying to show Diana what she would be dealing with. And well, of course, how much she loves Philippe and, and how heartbreaking it was when he granted Matthew his absolution. And then finally, she brings up Champier and how much she hates the scene. Maybe once we get through it today, you might think about it a little bit differently, Melanie. So keep that in mind. And thanks for this long, great email, which, again, will be in our show notes so you can read it in its entirety. Hey, thanks, Melanie. Thank you. Okay, I got another long one. I mean, people are writing us book reports. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're really thinking about things. I know. And articulating them on top of it, not just thinking about it, but putting putting fingers to keystrokes. We really appreciate them, you guys. So mine is from Lauren. Hi, Lauren. And then she goes, hi, demons. I made a new discovery to me, and I have tried to figure out for the last few hours why Deb chose to quote Euripides three times in the Hay Barn sword fight. Then um, this is where I'm kind of shrinking it down and she says she goes on to quote the lines from the books and compares them to the story of Euripides and I'll put the full email in the show notes but she does close I now feel the need to go through each book and each chapter with a fine tooth comb thanks Deb Lauren (laughs) thank you Lauren (laughs) thank you Lauren yeah Deb would feel that her job has been done Just with those words alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's not just Euripides Deb did that with. I mean, she's done that with some stuff from Darwin and for other things. And I think it's more her turning Philippe into like a zealot of Western civilization than anything else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, he could be a part (laughs) of that. (laughs) Yeah. Philippe, you know, Philippe hires ghostwriters for everybody. (laughs) From Euripides (laughs) to Charles Darwin to... He's Who like, else could there be? Darwin, I have something to say. I just thought of it last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you get this out? 18, it's 1858. Can you get it out in a year? Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And that's not all. We still have more. So, Angela, go ahead. Yeah. I have one from Patricia. She says, greetings, demon ladies. Chapter 11 thoughts. Authentic views. Philippe outs Matthew's blood rage illness in front of Diana. The action carried me away in an emotional roller coaster that followed. I felt empathy for Matthew, unable to stop what Philippe started. Could not be easy to reveal to anyone that you have a genetic sickness, let alone be seen at the worst stage. Philippe's forgiveness of Matthew was surprising added layer in this chapter. It was beautiful, raw, and a little ugly. She goes on to talk about Philippe's motives and Matthew's continued behavior. She closes out with the observation that Diana the Kickass, so that's her title, Diana the Kickass. <laughs> is revealed and go into some thoughts on Philippe's test and the scene with Champier. Have a great weekend, ladies. Patricia. Thanks, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. And she had definitely some other high points that I condensed. So again, see the email in the show notes. Yay. Yay. Okay. I've got one from a new discusser named Ashley and welcome, Ashley. And for that reason, she's going to get her email read in its entirety. 
<laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Since you're brand new, you, we'll redo in your entirety. Yeah. Dear Demons Discuss, first I want to say how much I'm enjoying the podcast. I just found it last week and I knew right away that you were my type of people. I am currently binge listening to the podcast and, and am on the one with the visions, the vow, and the Venetian, Adel chapter 21 through 25. I was so excited when I opened this email and saw my first discusser email, so I reread chapter 11 and Son so I would be able to share my thoughts with someone other than myself. <laughs> on to my thoughts about chapter 11. This is one of my favorite chapters. It is where I really started to like Philippe. Up until now, I didn't have a good feeling about him. Even though this chapter is kind of on the serious side, there are three times I could not help but chuckle. The first was when Philippe told Matthew to meet him in the hay barn, and Diana asked what is in the hay barn, and Matthew's response was, hey. I just imagine him being so sarcastic and annoyed. Next is when Philippe yells to Alain and tells him that they should not be bothered. And he says, I had apprehended as much, CR. This to me was like, he is saying, okay, chill. And when I read it, I thought, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Alain was really thinking. (laughs) The last one is at the end of the chapter after Diana kills Champier and Philippe says, Alain, Pierre, please remove Monsieur Champier. He's upsetting Madame. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I could see Philippe saying this as if he were talking about a painting or a vase. (laughs) On a serious note, by the end of this chapter, I was as in love with Philippe as Matthew. Philippe may have been the ultimate head of the family, but he obviously has a soft side and knew exactly what Matthew needed and won. There is so much I could say about this chapter, but this is what comes to mind first. Sorry this is so long. If I wrote everything I thought about this chapter, it would be several pages long. Thank you for all that you do. I am looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this chapter. Thank you so much, Ashley. And God, just keep writing and keep telling us your thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to Discusserdom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to close out with two. The first one is from Ashley. Not Ashley, but Ashley. And she is a new discusser as well. So I'm going to read the whole thing. Welcome. Yay. And she says, hey, demons, newbie discusser here. I've binge listened all of the back catalog since I found the podcast. Too much laughter was involved on my part. Thanks to you, especially Jean. Jean. (laughs) (laughs) This is not going to end well. (laughs) So Ashley, can you tell us uh, what did it for you? Is it her, her ditch dirt? mind or what is it? (laughs) All right. Let me me continue the email. Can I say that I love Philippe? He's one of the most unique characters in these books. I think we didn't even have enough time with him. I hope we hear more about his backstory in the future. Love the blood rage reveal scene. I loved how he gave a chance to Diana to prove herself. And I can see him managing that family with all those strong-willed vampires, but not because of the secrets he keeps. Because he knows and reads every Everyone so well. Also, most importantly, he knows when to tell the truth, unlike Matthias. Thanks for keeping us laughing and having so much fun with you guys. Demon kisses, Ashley. And thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> yes, and you, you can say how much you love Philippe, and you have, and I wholeheartedly agree. Yay. I hope we yes. hear more about him too, but I wonder if he's hard to write. And I know we asked Deb, I don't even know what interview it was in, or <laughs> we asked Deb, what was the greatest or happiest scenes to write and the saddest? And she said... That was Book Nation. That was you in Book Nation. Okay. And and she said it was Philippe. Anything having to do with Philippe. So I would imagine it's got to be very emotional to write about him, write him right through her. Yeah. He's a bigger than life character for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah, well, she calls him the axis of, of the AST universe. Mm-hmm. Everything revolves around Philippe. Yeah. Not in an egotistical way, but he's kind of the fulcrum of all the action. 
Right. Okay. So we're going to close it out from our discusser in chief. Last but never least, Stephen. Stephen. We'll work on it. We'll get back to you. Yeah. All right. So from Stephen, I like Philippe's attempt to get a reaction from Matthew by proposing Marguerite de Valios, the Queen of Navarra, as the role model for Diana to behave like a proper French lady. Marguerite or Margot was known to have several romantic scandals. At that time, Margot was still in prison in Usan, although her original captor and brother, Henri, had been yep. assassinated the year before in 1589. Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Everybody's got their mind on Margot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start this chapter review. This chapter review is brought to you by Angela Page. Yay! Yay! Thank you. And how fabulous that she gets to sponsor this chapter being her favorite. It's her favorite. I yeah. Know. Works out. I don't know. Very godmother Oops. happened. You're <laughs> yeah. welcome. <laughs> All right. So we left off in chapter 10 with Diana, who had just witnessed Matthew's pain in the church. And then she's confronting Philippe and scolding him for not letting her know about Lucas's birthday. Philippe vows that he will not film Matthew and that a witch will arrive shortly to help her, just as Matthew wished. And then we open up chapter 11 and Philippe has just appeared with an order to Matthew to meet him in the hay barn on his way back from the village. And I love the snarky, simple humor here. It's like, what's in the hay barn? Matthew's like, hey. <laughs> Hey. 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 <laughs> yeah, and I want to know why Matthew's writing the Pope to bitch about his dad? Yeah. I don't know. Pornico- Pornicolo, you know, nobody nobody is uh strong enough to stand up to the witches of the King of France and my dad. Like, yeah. So what are you saying to the Pope? You're you're like commiserating to him that yeah, my dad sucks? I, really? He's probably writing poetry on the down low and is like, "Dad, I'm writing the Pope. <laughs> Leave me alone." <laughs> <laughs> right in the Pope, leave me alone. <laughs> okay, so when I did this chapter review this time, I went through my original EPUB of Shadow of Night, which was on my first iPad in 2012, and I wrote down some really odd things. I mean, I picked apart this book. <laughs> like, so I noted that. Uh, oh, was this before you f- we found each other? No, this is right when we found each other. I think. Okay, because I remember you had an early cop. You got your mom had the yeah. library cop, the library arc, and you had no one to talk to. So I thought maybe that was just your well, mind praying me, on itself. I don't know. Maybe this note was before that, but so in my early notes, when I was avidly scouring through this stuff, I had written down that he was Gregory the Fourteenth. Speaking of Niccolo, yes, and he didn't want to be the Pope, and then he died of a gallstone. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that. <laughs> And it's just some odd trivia for you listeners. I have no idea why I found that fascinating enough to write down. But there you go. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, I'm always curious how people die in the All Souls universe, only because I always try to figure out, are they a vampire and do they stage their death? But a gallstone's not very exciting. Yeah. No. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's, that's just a death death. It's not like, oh, uh, who uh, no. who did we decide decide was uh, definitely a vampire death? Uh, Marie Antoinette's uh, purported lover, You'll have Axel. To. Oh, yeah. 
Yes. Oh, right. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We decided, okay. since Axel was supposedly torn apart by the mob, we decided that was definitely a, yeah. a, declare, a declaremont uh, stage death. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's where Philippe shoots a knife in Matthew's direction, and Matthew catches it with his palms. And when I'm reading this, I'm like, what is going on? I know I was like, what are they doing here? What's Philippe's game? Yeah. And Philippe chides him that he's gotten slow, and he probably should have thrown it at Diana, because maybe he would have moved faster. Ooh, burn. <laughs> That's dad saying, get off your ass and get moving. And then Matthew replies, he's like, you must forgive me for ruining your sport. It's been some time since I've had a knife thrown at me. I fear I'm out of practice. And I'm like, uh... <laughs> I guess that's the fancy way to be like, fuck off, Philippe. <laughs> right. So, I, I think the very first time I read the read this chapter, I was just like, oh, this is this is not going to end well. This no, not if they're they're this cranky, right? Combative. Yes. Goes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. There's no way this is going to end well. But yeah, I was proven wrong. Thank God. And Philippe's all like, you and me, two o'clock, meet me outside. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like oh my god. <laughs> G- gave him the fingers on his eyes, pointed at Matthew, your eyes. Yeah, it's very Jets, Jets versus Sharks. Yeah. yeah. Chuck Woolery, two and two. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, I'll be carrying more than a dagger. Then he says, no one should go in the lower barn until told otherwise. And I'm like, oh, shit, what's about to go down here? What's yeah. going on? And nobody should go in the lower barn. And to me, that says Diana's definitely going to go there. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. But then she didn't. That was the thing that was so funny. Then she decided to stick around and mess around with her leaky cauldron. Yeah. Which surprised me. Diana brings up the fact that she's tired of living with so much testosterone. And I imagine after Woodstock and the school night, that would yeah. get kind of tiring. So Yeah. Because most of her life has been with Em and Sarah or solitary. So imagine that, all that testosterone. That's way too Ugh. much. Too much. It's toxic toxic levels of testosterone. Yeah. Yeah. And then she says she doesn't care what Isabel thought of witches. She wished she was there at the moment. (laughs) That sounds a lot. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. So I'll take my chances with Isabel instead of you fools. (laughs) So, Linda, here it is. I have no guarantees of the funny. (laughs) No. Philippe was thinking about the women she can hang around with. And then he brings up Margot and opens up a can of worms in Jean's head. So go ahead, Jean. Well, what also opened up the can? worm in my head was why was Matthew so pissy about it? It's like, oh, no way, you know, she doesn't need to go there. Da, 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 da. Here's the interesting thing about Margot. I think at the end of the day, it falls down to the old adage of well-behaved women never write history. And by the time they've written history, they don't come out looking so good. I think some of the stories and rumors about her sexual promiscuity, I mean, rumors of incest with her brother, Henri III, and just not being a good Christian woman had, in large part, probably come from opponents because she was also a very smart, very politically active woman. Right. But back, backing it up to the whole AST universe, it, so many interesting things about her. It was her wedding to Henry Navarre that was going on when St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre occurred. She helped save French Huguenots, just like Matthew had helped to save Philip Sidney and the English Protestants who were living in Paris at the time of the uprising. She was married to Henry Navarre, and by all 
all accounts, it wasn't a very good marriage. And Henry had more than one mistress, one of whom was a member of the flying squadron of uh, Queen Catherine. And if you've hunted around in our blog posts, we talked about the flying squadron and Catherine de' Medici was a number of ladies of waiting who were also called spies of the couch. Ooh. There's some speculation, mostly on my part, that one of them may have been Isabel, especially when she talked about the innovations to the side saddle in that scene with Diana when mm. they went riding and hunting together. Yeah. What gets even better is Louis de Clermont, who is our Louis, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and Margot ended up hooking up. Well, Louis was involved in Henry III's court as a lover of Henri. So he was dating indiscriminately, shall we say? <laughs> he was a man of uh, many tastes. Many tastes. (laughs) Indiscriminate tastes. He actually didn't end up assassinated quite so much as caught caught in mid-thrust by a very upset husband. Yep. So, yeah, the cuckolded husbands are generally not real happy when they get you in their wives' bed. Yeah, (laughs) no. Yeah, and that's basically the stage death that happened to Louis. So, in my note here, I wrote, it was a very flowery version of what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> so later, while attempting to seduce the wife of the Count of Montessoro, he was trapped and killed by her husband. So, yes, yeah, same story, but just yeah. nicened up for the history books. That's what happens <laughs> when you put your dick where it doesn't belong. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming that was the arranged ruse, maybe? I Yeah. And I'm wondering if that was also Philippe's way of telling him maybe you should be a little more discreet. I'm going to embarrass you with your fake death. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I'm, my own personal opinion is, is if we ever do get to meet Louis, we're going to find out that he has no shame and really doesn't care. Right. Yeah. It's also a segue to learn more about the Declaremonts because Diana's ready to lose it. Yeah. More? More yes. Declaremonts? Margaret of Usan? What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's rolling through her mind too. So they, they go back and forth and then they go off to the hay barn and she goes off to the still room. Well, first, I want to bring him back that Philippe scolds him and says, for someone who took up all the witch, you're sure judgy, you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. true. Well, I, you know, Matthew being judgy is pretty much a foregone conclusion at this stage in the trilogy. Right. Right. And how we worded it was like, you're judgy and of the passions of others. So it led you to immediately believe it's like, oh, this is a little sexual, uh, sexual freakiness. <laughs> well, here's a, here, and here's the thing that, that also, he's so judgy about Lewis, but he's not judgy about Hugh and Fernando. Right. Or he's gotten over being judgy about Hugh and Fernando, but because Lewis is bisexual, it's somehow worse. Huh. That's, I never thought well, of it that way. I just, that's I, also a very typical attitude that people take. So. I think though that it's, um, the company he kept too. I mean, Margot had quite the reputation too. I don't, Fernando didn't have that same reputation. It was more of a solid foundation relationship. And I think it, it seemed like it was more than just the sexuality too. It's also the, the people he's, he's surrounded himself with. Yeah. The kind of messes they got themselves into. Right. And Philippe, I don't think Philippe is about mess. No, Philippe's, I, I don't think, I agree. I don't think Philippe's about mess too, but let's just move on because we can turn this into hours on how open an open relationship can be because it's like, well, Philippe and Isabel kind of had an open relationship too. So yeah. maybe that's why he's less judgy of Lewis than Matthew is. Right. Well, I thought Debit told us at one time that it, it, Philippe is very open to that. I mean, he grew up in ancient Greece, so. Yes. It wasn't unusual. Not at all. 
Yeah, nope. I think she, I think she gave people a lecture to be more open minded about yeah. homosexuality and keep in mind Philippe's attitudes towards it. Yeah. Right. And this is actually where Diana finds out that Lewis is a brother. He's like, he's your brother, Matthias. And Diana goes, God has bless us. Another brother. Jeez. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then she's like, how many of you guys are there? And why are you all dudes? <laughs> <Right>. why, <laughs> why do you have all men? And not so fast. It's revealed that Philippe had three daughters, Stasha, Varin, and Freya. And after Matthew's terrifying descriptions of them, she's like, that sounds great. Tell me about them later. And she, <laughs> she's like, I have to go fit Smart's old leaky cauldron. And Matthew's like, you need help? I can look at it for you. <laughs> yeah. hey, I'm great I'm with lab handy. equipment. Yeah. yeah. And he was just trying to get out of his schoolyard appointment with Philippe. <laughs> no. Yeah. Nope. And she's like, nope, got it under control. So yeah, no. So the still room. She's in the still room. She's got her little assistants in there from the kitchen. And it appears they're all distracted because they let the fire get out of their control before it went out. And Etwan came in whispering and exchanging cash with the kids. And Diana yeah. knew they were taking bets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's it's and like, okay, what's Malorda, the over-under? <laughs> yeah, Malord Encore, which means Matthew again. Yeah. Had, he had to get, got the best of him once, at least. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So she questions them on what they're betting on. And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah. So she's like, like, okay, there's guys. gambling going on in this establishment? Yeah. I'm shocked. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, okay, guys, where's a hay barn? So they reluctantly show her to the hay barn and take her to the ladder. And it seems the whole household is there. I mean, just playing hooky, watching this shit. <laughs> well, he said, know, don't, go, s- don't go to the lower barn. They weren't. <laughs> they, were all in the, they were all in the hayloft. And it, yeah. was like, it was like they were part of the fledglings at the Globe Theater watching the theater. Yeah. Turn the round, go on down below. Yep. Right. My first impression, though, was WWE. You know, in this corner, we've got Philippe de Clermont. That, that honestly, when I first read it. Very MMA cage match. Yeah. 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 And I read, and you know, and just like WWE, well, not so much MMA, they were verbally taunting each other as well as throwing down, you know, it's like, it was funny. Especially, vampires can take a beating, so you think it would be a pretty good show. Yeah. This is true. I'd pay for that, for sure. And I think that the reason it felt so modern and fresh was probably because of Deb's fight consultant, too. Was it one of her grad students or PhD students? I don't think it was uh, a or, student or a of colleagues. Hers. Just a, a colleague yeah, of hers. A, a colleague, yeah. Patrick Wyman. Yeah. He's yeah. got a podcast too, huh? Yeah. Oh, his podcast is great. And it's all about the fall of Rome. Well, the one he's been doing has been about the fall of Rome, but he also does a whole bunch of MMA stuff. So yeah. if you're into MMA, you need to follow him. Yeah. yeah. I'll put a link in the show notes to his podcast so you can yeah, listen he, to that. He had a Roman one. Now he has uh, Tides of History. Oh, sounds good. But he, yeah, he was her, the consultant for the scene and- some of these moves are very reminiscent of MMA. So while this is going on, they're trading barbs and, and you know, I'm not going to go through all of them, but Matthew gets distracted within all of this and he spots Diana and there's his damn problem. And Philippe knows it. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when Matthew was telling Diana to hold elaborate tail back in Woodstock that she said, I detected the crack and followed the fault line. And then she found out the real story. That's almost the same thing here where he looked at Matthew as, and he looked at the crack, followed the fault line and there was Diana. Yep. Yep. And then he gets distracted and he's like, I taught you better, Matthias. You do not think, you do not blink, you do not breathe. You're trying to survive. All you do is react. And that's how Matthew acts throughout mm-hmm. life. Don't, not you, just don't, take your, don't take your eyes off the guy with the knife. 
life. Yes. I have a problem with that, though, because that seems contradictory to his real lesson. You really? Do, you do not think. What does he normally say? Think and stay alive. Right. Well, the problem... No, but that's the perfect thing to say to Matthew, because Matthew gets so up in his head that he he's thinking, but he's not thinking clearly. Well, I mean, Baldwin tells him that, too. Stop and think. So, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I just read it differently. I read yeah. it like he's he was scolding him. You, don't, you do not think. You do not blink. You do not breathe. When you're trying to survive, all you do is react. I thought that was what he was saying about Matthew. That's what he does. All he does is react. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, that, okay. That, that I can... Okay. That yes, makes I would agree yes. with that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that that's how I read it. So... Um, I was looking yeah. at it as instruction, not as an observation of what Matthew yeah. does. That, that makes sense now. That makes perfect <laughs> sense now. It's like... <laughs> I'm glad I have you guys to talk about it. Mileage may vary when you read these things. <laughs> this is true. It's, it's, yeah. it's all in the inflection and just how tired you were when you laughed last read it. Yeah, right. it's true. Well, and it's like repetition, too. Sometimes you read the same error, you know, your own self-error the same way. Mm-hmm. So you don't bother to try to figure it out a different way. So he instructs Diana, come down here, Diana. And then the blacksmith's like, oh, shit, girl, you're in trouble. And he lets her downstairs. Damn. <laughs> and then uh, she brings herself behind Philippe. And then Philippe goes to Matthew and is like, is she why you lost? Is this what's happening? Is this why you almost died? And for me, it kind of like, oh, it might be why he lost. It might be why he, because of Diana, he was totally distracted. Mm-hmm. And even though I thought that when I read it, that in Discovery of Witches, this kind of just put the nail in saying, yes, this is definitely what happened here. Matthew's like, I don't know what you mean. Let me go. <laughs> and then, oh, yeah, Philippe throws a knife at Diana. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, got her by the sleeve, but Mr. Elbow. So, yeah, yeah. it's a good shot. <laughs> Matthew's, of course, freaking out. And then Philippe's like, that's what I mean. Did you take your eyes off your opponent? Is this how you nearly died? And Diana with you. And Philippe was getting angry at this point. And then Matthew, he's just paying attention to Diana. He's just all focused on her. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, okay, this is jumping ahead of where we're at. But if he was like this all along, how the hell was he an assassin? He was never in love before. He didn't have, he didn't have the queen. Yeah. Yeah. He was was playing chess without, he was playing chess without the queen. So. And if you're just an auto assassin, it's easy. Even Diana said, or he told Diana in, um, maybe it was the narrator that said it in Discovery Witches, where he would just plow through and, you know, sword and slice and trample his opponents. He would just be uh, like a robot with one goal is to end them. And like, well, he, I, think said, that, I think that was either the narrator, or wasn't that in chapter 30? He was the fierce, when they talked about all the brothers, he was the fiercest, the fiercest yes. fighter, his brother yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And that was the blood rage. But right. that was his role. Yeah. Matthew gets stabbed again. <laughs> <laughs> in the thigh this time because he's Ow. not paying attention. He's paying attention to Diana and this is where Philippe goes, pay attention to the man with a blade at your throat. If you don't, she's dead. And then Philippe kind of talks to Diana without turning. As for you, Diana, stay clear of Matthew when he's fighting. And of course she doesn't. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> listens to Philippe and Philippe's always got the best advice. Right. Really? <laughs> and he's got the knives. I mean, yeah. <laughs> keep an eye on the man with the knife. Dad be me. <laughs> Golly. And then he says, you need to stop looking over your shoulder and accept who you are. Majasan warrior with responsibilities to his family. When you put your mother's ring on Diana's finger, did you take time to consider what it promises? And Philippe's getting angrier and angrier. Mm -hmm. And of course, Matthew 
Matthew's interpretation was all skewed my whole life and the end of it and a warning to remember the past. And then he's trying to kick his dad, but Philippe totally anticipated it. And (laughs) (laughs) I already anticipate the sound effect that's going here. (laughs) (laughs) But that's Matthew's problem is that he thinks protecting Diana is willing to die for her. That's not necessarily her from him from his suicide mistakes. And yeah, right. I mean, that's an awful way to look at a wedding ring. God, I I don't blame Philippe for being pissed. And he says, it's always the dark things with you, never the light. And then he dropped his sword, kicked it out of Matthew's reach. And then he grabbed Matthew's throat. It's kind of hard narrating this fight scene. So I hope you guys are picturing it. (laughs) (laughs) I am. (laughs) And then he's like, do you see his eyes, Diana? And she's like, yes. He instructs her to take another step towards him. When she did, Matthew just started going wild. It's sad because it's like an animal. Yeah. And then he says, Matthew's in a blood rage. We Maja Song are closer to nature than other creatures, pure predators, no matter how many languages we speak and what fine clothes we wear. This is the wolf in him trying to free himself so he can kill it. Now, when you first heard blood rage, because this is the first time we ever heard of such a thing called blood rage. What did you guys think? I want to hear what you guys thought. I thought it was all the way he was talking about it. It was like all vampires have it to a degree. That was my very first like a spectrum disease. Not even a disease. It was just like part of being a vampire. And Matthew, of course, just decided it was a horrible thing to have. But that's that was my very, very first read. I think I thought the opposite. I thought it was just Matthew, not other vampires, like not even a possibility. Yeah, me too. A blood rage? <laughs> what the hell is that? Yeah. Right. He goes on to explain not all of our kind are prone to it. The sickness in Isabeau's blood passed from her maker and then on to her children. Isabeau and Louis were spared of it, but not Matthew or Louisa. So we we already know Matthew and Louisa have blood rage, whatever this blood rage thing is. Mm-hmm. And that just added one more layer to Louisa, because I already was thinking she loves the vice du jour and mm-hmm. <laughs> the manner of her death and having blood rage on top of it. It, it made sense, though. It did. And then Matthew's son, Benjamin, has the affliction, too. And I'm like, what, what, what? Benjamin, what's going on here? Who's this guy? (laughs) Matthew's son? Okay. So she says, though I knew nothing of a son Matthew had told me, hair-raising stories about Louisa, the same blood-borne tendency to excess was in Matthew as well. And I'm imagining for her that was rather shocking. Like, oh, what the fuck did I get myself into? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. yikes. But being Diana, she, she just wants to know more what sets it off. And then Philippe says, a lot of things, and it's worse when he's tired or hungry. And that starts making sense why he's saying, you know, uh, you, need to, you need to feed yourself. Yes. Yep. You need to take care of yourself, especially. And then I'm like, okay, Philippe is really looking out for this whole situation. He's yeah. not He's not just picking on him. He's, well, <laughs> he's seeing the big picture here. Well, and when he said that, I'm like, Matthew, right across his face. Come on. You could have, you could have yeah. avoided this. <laughs> You're smarter than this. Right. And so he doesn't belong to himself when the rage is upon him and he can make him act against his true nature. Here's another thing. Philippe is suggesting his true nature is different than the blood rage. But Matthew seems to think his true nature is the blood rage. That was my interpretation at the time. And that's the way Matthew would think. Yeah. It's back to the uh, always the dark and never the light. Mm -hmm. And then Eleanor is brought up. It's like, could this be how one of Matthew's great loves had died? Then I'm like, oh, shit, Eleanor. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Trapped in between an enraged Matthew and Baldwin in Jerusalem. Psst, they don't say an enraged Baldwin. They say an enraged Matthew. Oh. <laughs> enraged Matthew and Baldwin in Jerusalem. <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And his repeated warnings about his possessiveness and the danger that would result didn't seem idle anymore. Like my panic attacks, this was a physiological reaction that Matthew might never entirely be able to control. Yeah. By the way, do you want to get married and have kids? <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little fucking late for that. Right. <laughs> Oops, I didn't tell you. Let's, let's check up. <laughs> and then she's getting all mad. Is this why you ordered him down here to expose his blood rage to everybody and embarrass him? Uh, embarrass him. And I love the way Philippe played this. He's like, we're a treacherous breed. I might turn against him one day. I might turn on you, witch. And of course, this sends Matthew into a freaking rage yeah. of tizzy. And well, yeah, you know, he saw that coming. He saw it coming. And I think in hindsight, it's smart of him. Well, I'm never saying Philippe was dumb, but he was rather right. smart about this. Matthew's going crazy. And poor Pierre. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, it's like Pierre. Oh, yeah. I say he's so abused. He's true blue. <laughs> you don't want to do this my lord and i i don't know what he thought he was gonna stop (laughs) (laughs) but here for me is when he threw pierre aside would he without even looking at him without even i mean just threw him aside and i guess pierre like hit the floor splat and his arm was broke i'm like that's what happened to eleanor yep yeah it's like he was pissed at baldwin and he was going after baldwin right and eleanor thought oh no matthew don't oh (laughs) splat (laughs) Right. Oh, I'm dead. Yeah, I mean, Pierre has the has the benefit of being a self healing vampire. So, yeah, yeah. No. I was gonna say I could see I could see it. It's like the cartoon, and it's like she gets flying, and then there's X's for eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and her tongue's all hanging out. Yes. Yes, like, like like we've said before, this is AST thug notes. <laughs> She's D-E-D dead, yo. Dead. <laughs> Damn. Oh, wow. So after he knocks Pierre around and yeah. he shakes it off, he's like, I'm okay. <laughs> Broken arm, <laughs> chunk out of his neck. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm all right. Out. It's good. It's good. Just, I just need a minute to shake it off. It's merely a flesh wound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about me. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> run away, run away. But you have a chunk out of your neck. No, I'm okay. <laughs> All right. It's the Trojan rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, millennials, that was Monty Python. We'll put it in the show notes for you. Yes. <laughs> we get carried away, but you know, we have Most to explain assuredly. things. Yes, yes. Diana's freaking out. She's like, Matthew. And that was entirely the wrong thing to do. The sound of her distress made him wilder. Of course, she, he knocked over Pierre. And then here's where Philippe says, I know what you have done. And what did you guys think about this when they start talking about Philippe's death? I know what you have done. I, I 
forgive you. I was like, oh, how could he possibly know? But in hindsight, I'm thinking maybe he knew this reaction was based on guilt, based on whatever. What did you guys think? I think he was making an educated guess and he thought that Matthew's feeling guilty because he killed me. He probably was in a rage and accidentally yeah, did something. That, right. And he says, yeah, you're acting how you always act after a kill you regret. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's how basically how he fought in battles was going to a blood rage and have regret later. I mean, it's blacking out and someone telling you or you're realizing or not even knowing what you did, but you have that guilt. Imagine blacking out like that and then waking up and seeing like everybody all bloody on the floor. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, what did I do? Right. <laughs> what did I do this time? Well, even worse that your family exploited you to do it. Yeah, we, we didn't really go into it, but uh, that, that's kind of a cold hearted move. <laughs> <laughs> right. Whoa. Yeah. He says you are behaving as you always do when you re- regret a kill. Guilty, furtive, distractive. Te absolvo, Matthias. And then Matthew's still freaking out. I'll take Diana away. Let us both go, Philippe. No, we'll face it together, the three of us. Philippe is just dialing the whole situation back. He's dialing it down. Mm-hmm. He whispered, the word slurred with emotion. So sorry. And then Philippe's like, I've forgiven you. Now you have to put this behind you. Philippe released him and looked at him and says, come to him, Diana. Move carefully. He's still not himself. And of course, Diana doesn't. She rushes over to him. And I don't know what Diana was thinking. She was just kind of just going. And she's explaining what he's seeing. You know, this is your father. And that's Pierre. And then she's kind of talking like being a Matthew whisperer, I guess. Yeah. When she's talking to him, she's calming him down. And then when Matthew finally comes to, he's like, oh, Christ, he sounded disgusted. He reached for my hands and drew them to his face. I haven't lost control like this for ages. OK, uh, I when he says ages, what how long are we talking? I, I don't know. To me, I always think I mean, any time that there would have been a battle or a war that they fought in. But I always think of the Crusades, whether I mean, I, I'm sure it was more recent than that. But I always think the Crusades, because I think that's when he was the most useful. Do you think he went blood raging when he took Philippe's life? He seemed to have too much awareness when he was explaining it to Diana. Yeah, I agree. He seemed to re- he recalled too much. We saw little signs of blood ragey things in A Discovery of Witches, mm-hmm. but he always seemed to dial himself back like this excessive control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe he really did learn to control it in such a way where Philippe felt he needed to let it go in order to get really good control of it. I wonder if part of it had to do with the progress from hand hand combat to more mechanized warfare, too. Yeah, probably. Which would add to the puniness, too. Yes, this is true. He tells him, you're weak, Matthew, and the blood rage is too close to the surface. If the congregation were to challenge your right to Diana and you responded like this, you would lose. We cannot let there be any question whether she's a de Clermont. And then Philippe drew his thumb deliberately across his lower teeth. Blood, darkly purple, rose from the wound. And he was like, come here, child. And did you guys know what the hell was happening when you read this? No. 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 And so Matthew's like, Philippe, you have never. And Philippe comes back. Never is a very long time. Do not pretend to know more about me than you do, Matthias. And then Philippe studied her gravely. There's nothing to fear, Diana. And she looked at Matthew saying, okay, what the hell is he doing? And Matthew's like, oh, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> she, for, for Diana, though, she's pretty compliant. Yeah. yeah. She's like, okay. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. So the Maja song make families through death and blood. And so this is when he takes the blood and he draws a little doohickey on her forehead. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden... The magic doohickey. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> with this, and then he goes, with this mark, you were dead, a shade among the living without clan or king. And then he does a little mark on the doohickey and says, with this mark, you're reborn, my blood sworn daughter and forever a member of my family. It's like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> the, the events have turned. <laughs> now she has a family. So, the hay barn had corners and little spools of time were happening in the hay barn because she has just caused, well, Philippe, her and Matthew have just caused a huge ripple in time. My mm-hmm. assumption, because the timey wimey yes. shit is just yeah. stupid yeah. to me. It's crazy. I don't, not stupid, just I don't quite. It makes you stupid trying to figure it out. Exactly. That's <laughs> that's it. I cannot wrap my little puny brain around it. And I'm going to use the word puny again. Yeah. Puny. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're bringing puny back. <laughs> the parallel timeline they've created is now the one we're going to traverse on. The other one where Matthew and Diana didn't know each other is gone. Yes. Yeah. It stopped. Right. <laughs> he points to the the audience. He says, as for you, Madame has enemies. Who among you is prepared to stand for her when my lord cannot? He's like the badass version of Oprah. Instead of you get a car and you get a car, it's like, you're going to give your life and you're going to give your life. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? <laughs> yeah. It's the vampire Oprah. <laughs> and how do you say no to that? I mean, you don't. <laughs> you like fake a heart attack or something. I don't know. Oh. <sighs> you run to the bathroom right quick. Oh, I didn't know. It's the kids and the women, though, that are like, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. They're the ones that started standing up. And then everybody, I felt everybody kind of reluctantly say, oh, okay. Sh- I was going to say, sh- Chef did his share of shaming people and agreeing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chef's like, you better fucking stand up. Yeah. <laughs> Get your ass up. Don't make me look bad. Right. Philippe goes on to announce Madame's enemies will come without a warning, so you must be ready. Katrine and Jayon will distract them. Thomas will lie. And there, I guess there were knowing chuckles because apparently that's what Thomas does. He lies. He's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> And then yeah, foreshadowing of Jack, kind of. <laughs> a was, little ta- bit. was Thomas yeah. the Lord of Misrule? Yes. Yes, yeah. he was. Tomas. Yep. And it's one, you must run and help find help, preferably my lord. And as for you, you know what to do. And then he looks at Matthew. Diana's like, okay, what am I supposed to do? And this is where Philippe says, to think as you did today. Think and stay alive. Philippe clapped his hands. Enough entertainment. Back to work. <laughs> <laughs> my job is done. Let me take a bow. Everybody go. Right. Be gone with you. (laughs) (laughs) My work here is done. Yep. (laughs) Wait, wait. Jean, you're totally right now that I even this line, amid good natured grumbling, the people in the hayloft scatter to resume their duties. It's like they did just leave the globe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They just saw a show. Yeah. (laughs) Show's over. Go home. See you. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. All right. So they all leave. Philippe says, take care of the wound on his leg. And the one over his kidney, it's deeper than I would have liked. But, you know, you yeah. know shit goes. Shake it off. <laughs> yes, we can fix it later. By God, I'm out of here. I'm outies. Yeah. <laughs> later, guys. <laughs> oh, man. You know, Matthew climbs to his knees and he's trembling. And then she grabs him. She's like, oh, let me take care of you for a change. You stubborn man. <laughs> Ha 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 ha! 
<laughs> oh, God. She takes care of his wounds. He says, thank you, Moncourt. Since you were cleaning me up, do you mind if I return the favor and remove Philippe's blood from your forehead? It's a scent, you see. I don't like it on you. I guess that was the blood rage, maybe? Yeah, I think it's just the mating thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get smelling like his dad probably wasn't like <laughs> conducive to sexy times. Yeah. No. <laughs> 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 yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. All right. Talk about a boner killer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, well, I got to compose myself. Gene, I wasn't expecting that. Come on now. Compose yourself. <laughs> Give me a minute. Don't make me pee my pants in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a fetish for that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> we did it again. I'm so Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Who, who was our new discusser? Osley? Is that what you like Osley. about Gene? That thing? Right. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Okay. Well, back to the kidney shot, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that'll. All, all right. All, all of a sudden, Diana's a doctor. She doesn't use magic yeah. like Sarah to heal him, and she puts the final ice pack on and says, I think you're going to live. As if only ice packs can help the situation. I guess maybe for a vampire healing, it could. I don't know. Thanks, Angela. Thanks for saving me. Thank you. Oh, no. Okay. So after all that's done, she's like, tell me about Benjamin. I said, while he wiped my face. So he's getting rid of the doohickey on her forehead. Continuity problem alert. Okay, go ahead. Oh, what's the continuity problem? Oh, I don't think it's continuity problem. I think he's living on a throne of lies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would be a continuity problem with his relationship with Diana. (laughs) Well, that's true. He's just just taking a break from the rule. (laughs) They're on a break. See, I don't call it lying. I call it continuity problem. (laughs) I'm having a continuity problem with the truth. (laughs) Yeah. That's a really nice euphemism. Continuity issue. We're having continuity issues. All right. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. So she said, Tell me about Benjamin. I made Benjamin a vampire in Jerusalem. I gave him my blood thinking to save his life. But that's not really what... Okay. <laughs> Let me not right. mind. Never mind. Other than... Yeah, he's, he's like, we're probably never going to meet him, though. So I'll just... Never mind. Leave yeah. That. It's okay. Yeah. But in doing so, I took his reason. I took his soul. And he has your tendency towards anger. And I like this. He's like, tendency? You make him sound, make it sound like high blood pressure. Oh, I, I took offense yeah. to that this time around. Because I'm like, well, yeah. Because how much have you told me about it? Nothing. Yeah. yeah. It's true. Mm-hmm. This is the first I'm hearing it in the middle of a WWE match. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Right. Where there's gambling going on. I know. <laughs> so they make their way back up to the chateau. And they're hand in hand. You and me against the world again. And the next day was the Feast of St. Nick. They didn't really go over that very much. They didn't go over it, but I mean, Angela brought it up in our holiday episode, but Champier shows up on their doorstep on the same day Krampus does. <laughs> Krampus! Krampus! <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, what's up with that? Remember I was showing you those Elf in the Shelf pictures and you sent me, a, here's a Krampus for you. I was yeah, like, you can buy a Krampus. He's awesome. Krampus on campus. I totally want one. 
<laughs> anyway, I digress. I digress. Yes. Okay. So uh, the witch is here. They call Diana in. Here she is now. And then she enters and the man with him turned and her flesh just tingled as she did with Peter Knox. And this is where I'm starting to freak out a little bit. Like, okay, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? This is not good. Yeah. I'm afraid her French is not very good and her Latin worse. Basically telling Diana to shut the fuck up. Now that I'm reading it. Do you speak English? Enough, the witch replied. And then his eyes swept her body, making her skin crawl. The girl seems in good health, but she should not be here among your people. Seer? Seer. Philippe goes on and he's just like, I'd happily get rid of her. <laughs> you know? And right. I'm like, no, the Philippe, and it's like, what game are you playing here? What's well, going on? And he knew, he knew the gig was going on when he called her Madame Royden. Yeah. Come Madame Royden and beckoning her forward. So the closer I got, the more uncomfortable I became. The air felt full, tingling with an almost electrical current. I half expected to hear a rumble of thunder. The atmosphere was so thick. So this is a powerful witch. And again, like I said with Peter, Peter Knox had been mentally invasive and Satu had inflicted great pain in LaPierre. But this witch was different and somehow even more dangerous. I walked quickly past the wizard and looked at Philippe in mute appeal for answers. So she's kind of looking at Philippe like, uh, what the hell? What is going on here? And Philippe is continuing in his lazy drawliness, you know? Yeah. (laughs) This is how I imagine. He's just chilling. He's like, this is Andre Champier. He's a printer from Lyon. Perhaps you've heard of his cousin, an esteemed physician, now alas departed from this world and no longer able to share his wisdom on matters of philosophical and medical. And he's complimenting this guy and and then I'm starting to see, oh, he's buttering him up for something. Just making this guy relax Mm -hmm. and chill out and his next thought should have been like, can I offer you a drink? What can I do? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, and you're just, you're, you're just as awesome as your cousin. Yeah. <laughs> and then Diana's like, no, no. And she's looking for Philippe for clues. And, uh, Champier is just, he's ready to pick her apart. Yeah. He can't wait. I mean, well, when is, when is Diana's witch inspection ever gone the way it's supposed to, or pleasantly, I should say? <laughs> no. Without, it hasn't. Without a hitch. Never. No. And people always leave her out to dry too. Like, just let her hang there. And yeah. That's true. Well, well, and every time she's inspected, like uh, way back to the time she was 13, right? When she was yes. going through her, mm-hmm. she had her family grimoire and she was supposed to ring the bell. And it, of course she'd freeze. <laughs> it, it, it's like the a figurative carry scene <laughs> at the end. I mean, yeah, every single yeah. time it's like this exposure and embarrassment. Uh, right. Well, and what's so weird about this scene, too, is they talk. he talks about, oh, well, I thought I felt you all the way from Limoges, but I think I'm wrong because, well, no, you really don't have much power. And then the question in my head is like, is that the spellbinding that spell that is acting as a force field once he got close? I or think is he so. trying to, or is he trying to play Philippe too? That's another angle. Yeah. yeah. Don't forget Widow Beaton did that. Just like, right. oh yeah, I don't think she's no witch. Like, yeah. yeah There's not very much. For different reasons yeah. though. For different yeah. reasons. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Champier was like, if I just play it like, oh, she's not yeah. much, but let me see what's going on here. You know, let me see if I can just, convince them to let me take her with me. That's what yeah. I was kind of getting on this scene. It's like, yo, this is not going to be good. So uh, one of Champier's eyes was blue and the other brown. Oh, David Bowie. 
Yeah. We always talked about David Bowie being chompier in the early days. <laughs> and I wrote a note here, too, in my little ancient EPUB version of this, saying, well, the great seer. So always said that Rebecca was a great seer. Did Rebecca have a green eye and a, a blue eye or different right. color eyes? And I, just little things that I'd make notes of. So and I Timothy check. had two different color eyes, too. Yes, he did. And he, he did. Was a, he was a great seer. He just couldn't communicate what he was seeing. He spoke in riddles. <laughs> That's my point. That's right. And she blew him off. He was no, no one of consequence at the time. Right. Yes. So he was just a little demon that dressed weird with two different color cowboy boots and loved lattes. Yeah. At the mm-hmm. time. Well, and here's the other thing in that paragraph where she makes the she makes the observation that he feeds on the power that pulses in, in the atmosphere around him. Maybe the fact that he's an energy vampire kind of made her want to shrink away from him too. An energy vampire. Well, that's how I'm putting it because it sounds like he Champier is the kind of witch that draws energy from the life force around him, and that makes him dangerous as well. Oh, Are that you, makes you know, sense. Weaver? That makes sense. Like could you be. know how she withdrew the life from the flower and from the right. It could be. Could be. Weavers weren't well known, so and we didn't even know about weavers at this time. Yes. So well, and maybe that's part of the, the power he felt a weaver recognizing another weaver, another, another weaver. weaver. Although, yes, I, he maybe sensed it, but it wasn't until he read her blood. Yeah, which we'll yeah, get to. that's true. We'll get to. I love the fact that Philippe is painting stories for her well, and he does it apparently as well as Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> so who can tell the horrors she's been subjected to? Philippe said with a shrug. Her husband has been dead ten days. When we found her in an isolated farmhouse, Madame Royden might have fallen victim to all kinds of predators. I'm like, wow! <laughs> Man, story. You're, spin- you're yeah. spinning it. That's when the witch, you know, steps up to the plate. He's like, I'll find out what has happened to her. And he instructs her to give him her hand. And the way she described this, he stroked the flesh on my palm, progressing deliberately over each finger in an intimate search for information. It was gross. There was yeah. something really gross. It, like, my flesh started crying. Yeah, it's just, it's, well, it's complete violation. Yeah. Yeah. And on this read, when Philippe says this, does her flesh give you knowledge of her secrets? Philippe sounded only mildly curious, but there was a muscle ticking in his neck. And, this is the first time I'm seeing the muscle taking yes. in his neck. Yeah, where he's like, he's his hackles are up. He's ready. And the he first knows time that I, kind of trying to play him too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think maybe the first time I didn't catch that. Champier is feeling relaxed, and he's going on to proceed with his little examination. And he's like, a witch's skin can be read like a book. She's been too long with Maja Song, who has been feeding from her. And then Philippe's like, well, that's forbidden. I'm here. <laughs> Didn't happen under my roof. <laughs> yeah, no one in my household had shed the girl's blood for sport or for sustenance. Wait, and before, that's true. Yes. Before we go on, as Jean pointed out in the, one of our last episodes, that when Diana tastes the blood, she can read the blood just like almost a vampire, like when Matthew's even tasting wine. or And Champier does the same thing. He sniffed, his face soured, and then he could tell she was with vampires too long. It's like the more I read the chapters over, the more I see the closeness or the similarities of vampires and witches. Yeah. Yeah. So Majasan can read creature's blood as easily as I can read her flesh. Champier yanked at my arm, pushing my sleeve up, ripping the fine cord that held the cuff snug against my wrist. You see? So I love the way he said this. Someone has been enjoying her. <laughs> like, a, like a tasty little snack. I know. <laughs> He's like, you know, we're delicious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> My pulse was beating a tattoo of alarm. What was Philippe after? Why wasn't Matthew's father stopping this? He's still playing along. He's like, that wound is too old for her to have received it here. As I said, she had been in St. Lucian for only a week. And then that's where Diana's like, think, stay alive. Champier's like, who took your blood, sister? And she's playing along, too. It's a knife womb. I said hesitantly. I made it myself, which wasn't a lie, but it wasn't the whole truth. And then here comes Champier. Madame Royden is keeping something from me and from you, I believe. I must report this to the congregation. It is my duty. Champier looked expectantly at Philippe. And then Philippe's like, of course, I wouldn't dream of standing between you and your duty. (laughs) (laughs) How might I help? And this is where it just got bad for me on yeah. first read, where Philippe's pretty much holding her down right. while Champierre's doing his thing. And then he's just asking questions as the procedure's going on. Why does your touch cause her so much pain? And I'm like, yeah. I picture him t- totally calm doing this yeah. while Diana's so, freaking the fuck out. It's the total marathon man scene where he's yeah. extracting the tooth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh entirely. Uh, <laughs> only he doesn't have evil intent. Right. It's the only thing no, that's saying. The scene. Well, yeah, right. Champieta. Well, yeah, I guess he doesn't. Yeah, but, but I'm just saying still. the way Philippe is having that very calm conversation is yes. like Lawrence Olivier did in that scene when he's like doing all the horrible things mm-hmm. he's doing. Yeah. Champier goes on to explain his craft. He's like, it's the act of reading that does it. Think of it as extracting a tooth. I will take her thoughts and secrets from the root. Now, Angela, I was half asleep when I saw your message, but go with what you said. Oh, we had the simultaneous thought. Well, Jean and I must we have been like yeah. mind melding. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Both we of were. Yours. So go same, ahead. Same wavelength. Well, how he explains, I mean, Philippe is so intrigued and I was listening to it on audio. As soon as he said, I'll take her thoughts and secrets, well, from the root rather than leave them to fester. Um, and then Philippe starts asking about it and it's just dawned on me and Jean at the same time, that's exactly what he learned and and how he used that same method when he was in captivity by the Nazis. That's how he, that's how he knew to make the request. Yeah. How he knew to have that in it. Yeah, that's how he had that in his back pocket right there. And I was like, oh, my God, light bulb. I'm half <laughs> asleep. I need coffee, though. <laughs> yes, yeah. we both had the light bulb yesterday when we were going over this chapter this time. Yeah. That had never occurred to me before either. And it was like, that's where he got the idea for picking and choosing what memories the witch. And, and then that led me to that next question is, well, how did he know which which to ask and whether they could be trusted to do it right? right. To do what he wanted and protect his memory. That's he the had scary some years part. to do his research, I think. He, he probably was like, okay, these are the ones I want to keep. These are the ones. Now I got to find me a witch to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but then again, you're also stuck in the camps. I don't think this is something any witch can do. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's but true. It's, it's like, let me read the passage just because it's so wow. Such a wow moment for all of us. A moment, yeah. monsieur. You must forgive my ignorance. Are you saying this witch will have no memory of what you've done or the pain you've caused? None save the lingering sense that something once had is now lost. Champier's fingers resumed stroking my forehead, he frowned. But this is very strange. Why did Amanja Song put his blood here? It's amazing that we all had that at the same time. Well, you guys did. I rolled over, looked at my phone, and was like, <laughs> oh, shit, they're Dang. right. I, I need coffee. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> it, it was, well, it was funny because I had like, typed it all out. Jean's like, oh, my God, the same thing. And then she showed a picture of her notes. Oh, yeah. okay. So so that Jean, that was your picture. Yeah, those are, my note, those are my notes I wrote while I was sitting out at the junkyard yesterday going over this chapter while I was not looking at the blood and guts on the front of a truck. <laughs> I digress. That's after Another, show stuff. That's after show stuff. Yeah. All right. 
Science. Oh. But like I said, and I said this in our Facebook group, and I said yeah. it to Gene and you guys in the chat box that that just makes it more that much more poignant that he said, this is what I want to happen, but please don't take my memories of Isabel. Yes. Yeah. Moving on. Diana, she's reminiscing and thinking, being adopted into Philippe's clan was a memory of mine that I did not intend Champier to have, nor did I want him sifting through my recollections of teaching at Yale, Saren M, Matthew, my parents, my fingers clawed into the arms of the chair while the vampire held my head and the witch prepared to inventory and steal my thoughts. And yet no whisper of witch wind or flicker of witch fire came to my aid. My power had gone entirely quiet. So I had massive anxiety at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she had to rely on herself, not the witchcraft, not anything. She had to rely on herself. And then Champier's like, it was you that marked this witch. And Philippe's like, yeah. Sure. <laughs> 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 you right. <laughs> And he's like, that is most irregular. And his fingers kept probing. And then Champier's eyes opened wide in wonder. But this is impossible. How could she be a... And then... Bam, here's Matthew. So on first read, what was your thought? What did you think that he was seeing while he was reading her memories? No idea. Something, yeah, no idea. Something monumental that Deb didn't not, want us not, to know not what, he, not what he really saw, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Matthew, with his timing all wrong, had he been one second later, we might have found out. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had to stop it anyway. A dagger stuck out in between two of Champier's ribs, the weapon's blades buried deep within his chest. My fingers were wrapped tightly around the hilt. When he scrambled to dislodge it, I pushed in and further. The wizard's knees began to crumple. And then she killed him. Yep. Boom. Yep. Just like that. Just that fast, she killed him. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know Diana had that shit in her. Right. Yeah. And so Philippe goes, leave it, Diana. He's gonna die. You cannot hold him up as a dead weight. Mm-hmm. But couldn't let go of the dagger. The man was still alive. As long as he was breathing, Champier couldn't take what was mine. And that's when Matthew came in and sucked all his blood. <laughs> Snapped his neck. <laughs> <laughs> A little late, but okay. So where have you been, Matthew? Philippe snapped. You must move quickly. Diana struck before he can finish his thought. Well, and honestly, where was he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where was he? Deb, where was he? (laughs) Do you think maybe he was close or did Philippe do this without Matthew being around at all? I think Philippe just did what Philippe was going to do and he didn't pay any mind one way or another where Matthew was. Yeah, I don't think you could tell Matthew. I don't think he could let him in on the plan. No. Yeah, yeah. I think he just trusted that Matthew, if Matthew sensed Diana was in trouble, he'd show up. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the plan wouldn't work with Matthew hovering. No. Mm -mm. So while Matthew drank Thomas and Antoine pelted into the room, a dazed Katrine in tow. They stopped stunned. Alain and Pierre hovered in a hallway with a blacksmith, chef, and two soldiers that usually stood by the front gate. Philippe's like, eh, it's done now. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Right. So she had her little army that pledged to protect her show up. They were like, yes. we're here. Okay, it's too late. He's <laughs> Dang. Done. Well, I love the part where she goes, he's dead. Resolutely so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's dead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For real. One less one nosy less, Calvinist. Yeah, one less nosy Calvinist. <laughs> I love it. He asks Matthew, had he told any of his friends he was coming here? And then Matthew's like, not as far as I could determine. Slowly his eyes turned gray again as he studied me. Diana, my love, let me have the dagger. Of course, he's gone back to romantic, protective Swooning. Matthew. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my Diana, my love. 
He discovered something in Diana that surprised him, said Philippe. And then Matthew's like, I saw as much. And I'm like, what did you see? Come on. (laughs) Please tell me. Yeah. And then she's like, what if he takes my historic knowledge? How am I going to teach? Well, exactly. I I thought the same thing. She's like, memories are all I have of my parents. And I was like, oh, and then she's like, but what if I forgot my historical knowledge? I'm like, worse yet to her. I know. Uh, It's like, really? Like, really? oh, Lord. You had me there and then you went. Right. <laughs> went full on Diana. Yes. It's like, oh, okay, Diana, maybe we'll forgive you a little bit because you did spend your whole life in the freaking. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I, I had the same reaction, but I then I had a reaction like, I'm kind of obtuse like that sometimes, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your house is on fire. But wait, my phone, my computer, my... (laughs) That's me. (laughs) I must save all my things. Yes. (laughs) All right. So uh, Matthew's all mad. You betrayed us to Champier. He's one of the most reprehensible creatures in all of France. It's like, really, Philippe? Wow. You had to get a witch and you got this guy. Philippe's like, well, I needed to be sure of her, man. That's true. I needed to make sure. And he says, would you have stopped Champier before he stole her thoughts? Philippe's like, eh, that depends. Well, of course, we're all wondering, along with Matthew, on what? And then he goes on to explain, had Champier arrived three days ago, I would not have interfered. It would have been a matter between witches and not worth the trouble to the Brotherhood. So this was my whole thing about the Baldwin defense. This is exactly what Baldwin says. He doesn't have the luxury of the tests and yeah. the son father love he's he arrives with the big mess in his hand and he's basically saying this whole thing that Philippe just said yeah yeah and then Matthew of course is thinking about himself and he's like you would have let my mate suffer well it's your job to take care of her dude <laughs> it's like <laughs> if she's your mate you would have been you know watching out looking God, out that but such a teenage answer <laughs> right <laughs> It's like, but my mate would have suffered. And Philippe's like, well, she's my daughter now. And I didn't let my daughter suffer. She took care of herself. Matter of fact, as my kids do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My kids. Right. So oh, as you're not one of them. <gasps> yeah. I don't think Philippe thought that way, though. But, you know, Sometimes Matthew he probably did when he was really impossible. Thank God it's Isabel's kid, not mine. Definitely. Matthew would have heard it that way, though. Of course. Yeah, for real. Of course. For real. As recently as yesterday, it would have been your responsibility to intervene on your mate's behalf. Had you failed to do so, that would have proved that your commitment to the witch was not as it should be. And then and Diana's like, okay, what about today? And then Philippe's <laughs> <laughs> like, today you're my daughter. So no, I would not have let Champier's attack go much further. But I didn't need to do anything because you saved yourself. Yay! Yay! <laughs> So you and Matthew survived one test uh, in the church and another in the hay barn. The blood swearing was simply a first step in making you a declaremont. And now it's time to finish it. And then he turned towards his second in command. Fetch the priest, Alon. Tell the village to assemble at the church on Saturday. My lord is getting married. (laughs) (laughs) I I love he's like, we owe it to the village. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So my lord is getting married with book and priest and all of St. Lucian to witness the ceremony. There'll be nothing in the hole in the corner about this wedding. I'm like, whoa, Philippe. Oh, my God. We're going to have a wedding. Yay. This is me in my head when I first read it. And then here's Diana. I just killed a man. (laughs) What? 
Yeah. yeah. So, but first, oh, kind of relief. Like, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> it's going to be off the chain. Yeah. That's true. Who's going to hire Beyonce? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Or whatever the 16th century version of Beyonce is. Version of that, yeah. Well, yeah. Beyonce does sound French, to be honest. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> but you were, Val. Uh, I'm saying you were thinking that way. I was. Oh, my God. This is going to be a gala. <laughs> Diana's just focused on the fact that she just stabbed this dude. This is not the time to be talking about a wedding. Philippe's like nonsense. Marrying among bloodshed is the Claremont family tradition. We only seem to make creatures who are desired by others. It's a messy business. So I kept thinking about Isabel. First read, this read, every time. I'm like, wow, what kind of mess happened with those two when they got together? I always love that breadcrumb. I thought for sure we'd find out along with the goddess story. We kind of did. (laughs) No, no, we we did. I'm just saying. I thought at the same time that would be like another storytelling. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna yeah. say we we, got, we only got one. Damn it. Oh, got a story. Anyway, oh, got a story. Yeah. And she goes on to emphasize, I killed him to make sure the message was clear. Duh. And then she pointed to the body of the floor. Look what I did. I killed the guy. Hello. And then uh, I like this. Alain Pierre, please remove Monsieur Champagne. He's upsetting Madame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And then, then we go through the whole, the people are going to die. Do you want, you know, you need to handle this for yourself because do you really want, you know, you're like, oh, I can't kill anybody. Well, somebody else is going to do it here. Do you want that on their conscience or on your own? Right. And he gave her an excellent lecture on that. Then that other, oh, this is one that still keeps me up at night when he says, she says, we should be able to talk about this and settle our differences without bloodshed. And then he said, once I set a table and talk for three hours with a man, a king, no doubt you and many others would have considered him a civilized creature. At the end of the conversation, he ordered the deaths of thousands of men, women, and children. Words kill just as swords do. And this is true. That's yeah. an egg I want the answer to. Which king? Yes. Deb still, uh-huh. ha- Deb still hasn't told us. Okay. Well, there are way too many sieges to sort it all out. Right. <laughs> write it down. You can whisper the signing line, I think. Uh, yeah, I will. Again. Maybe this time <laughs> Again. she'll maybe this time she'll give me the answer. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So Matthew's trying to explain her why she's not accustomed to our ways, Philippe. And then Philippe's like, Well, then she needs to get accustomed. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> this is real shit happening here, yeah. guys. Diplomacy. Right. This is not the time for diplomacy. This is the time for your bro- brother Baldwin. Yep. No more discussion. Come Saturday, you and Matthew will be married because you are my daughter of blood as well as name. You will be married not only as a good Christian, but in a way that will honor my ancestors and their gods. This is your last chance to say no, Diana. If you have reconsidered and no longer want Matthew for the life and death that marrying him entails, I will see you safely back to England. And this is where she kind of turns the tables and says, will you marry me, Matthew? And then Matthew's like, we're already married, but, yeah, but I will I do it. Yeah, but I love the fact that, that Felicia <laughs> choking like, kind of choking, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> So Matthew answers, yes, Diana, I will marry you. I already have, but I'm happy to do it again to please you. And then Diana's like, I was satisfied the first time. This is for your father. It was impossible to think any more about marriage when my legs were still shaking and there was blood on the floor. 
<laughs> just killed just the guy. Just focusing in on all the wrong stuff right now. Really? <laughs> it's like they're cleaning up the mess. He's out of the way. Just make the most of your proposal. In the rare Diana defense coming from me, I'm going to say I'm not sure I'd be thinking about marriage still. <laughs> right. Just... I might be having flashbacks to the parents in the picture. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's end this thing. You have found a woman who is worthy of you with courage and hope to spare Matthias. And then Matthew says, I know. Know this too. You are equally worthy of her. Stop regretting your life and start living it. And that ends it, unless you guys have something to say. No. Anyone? I think we, we, I think we uh, picked the bones clean. Yes, we picked it clean. <laughs> picked it clean. We're good. We're good. Going once. Going I twice. Mean, wait, 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 wait. We're not going to, but there are eggs in this chapter that we didn't totally pick the bones clean, but they're there for people to find. All right. Okay. Last call. Anybody. Last going call. once. Going twice. So, all right. And that ends chapter 11 discussion. So, let's go on to housekeeping. We don't have very much. Housekeeping. Jean, go ahead. Okay. I have a five star review in Apple Podcast from CW Supergirl from the USA. Yay! I was thinking you're going to say Apple Pie. Apple Pie. <laughs> Yay! Okay. <laughs> if you are in love and obsessed with the All Souls trilogy like I am, you will be in love and obsessed with this podcast too. These ladies do their research and bring it to life in a way that is fun and interesting. I love how they explain the intricate details of the series and help you better understand them and the history behind them. Thank you from the bottom of my witch heart for all that you do. Thank you, CW Supergirl. This is great. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Then we can add a little bit of something to your obsession. And yeah. I get to live another week. Exactly. And Angela lives another <laughs> week. Woo! <laughs> all right. So the housekeeping segment was brought to you by Dr. Shelley Carter. Thank you, Shelley, for all you do and how you support us. <laughs> I keep expecting the Dr. Shelley Carter. Free x-rays with the first chiropractic examination. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Shelley. Thank you, awesome reviewer. You're not a chiropractor. (laughs) Right. I was just thinking, like, she's going (laughs) to... She's going to kill us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, awesome reviewer. And thank you, Shelley, for sponsoring that segment. But honestly, what would Shelley expect from us doing her her segment any other way she knows better (laughs) (laughs) so all right speaking of sponsorships melanie nelson is going to bring us today's save it for the show we do have one so let's do it you guys all right Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. Today's save it for the show topic, a refresher in empathy. Yes. All right. Take it, guys. We we need a refresher course. Well, is is that what's we going need on a here? Refresher, refresher <laughs> course, but I think the world does. The world that we live in these days, it's just, it can never hurt to get a refresher on exactly what empathy is and how it's supposed to work. Yeah. And that yeah. the fact is you should have some. Right. You should have some. Empathy is not sympathy. It is not. It's a totally different animal. And I think a lot of people confuse it. Mm -hmm. Empathy is knowing where someone comes from when they make the choices that they make. And seeing, I feel like we're all not so removed that we wouldn't make the same choices. Just Mm -hmm. a matter of self-control stops it. So um, let's talk about what brought this up, Jean. I think we can. Yeah, I think we can. I mean, um, Kit Marlowe is what brought this up. uh, A a post about by someone who stated that they hated Kit and 
and basically didn't see the need to see things from his perspective because, well, they also had a common ground in unrequited love. And while they didn't behave the way he did. So, yeah, no, they hate him. That's right. what it basically boiled down to. And basically, I, this isn't me also discussion, which we discussed our last episode, I believe. Yes. So basically, they were the opinion. Uh, I, I saw the other comments and I saw someone said, well, at all souls con, someone said this and, you know, we were talking about this and I still couldn't. I'm like, you I couldn't really... find a nice thing to say about him. It's like, okay. then you feel that, that, that's a failure of the exercise kind of. In right, a way. right. Remove yourself right. from the choices and say something good about the character. Positive about the character was the question, actually. Yeah. Can you say something positive about him? Um, I, I get it. I don't like Kit at all. I still don't. I, I think he was a little brat. I think personally, morally, Kit would not be somebody I would aspire to be. But could I act like Kit if pushed in certain ways, mm-hmm. if I was raised certain ways? Uh, and there's a whole bunch of factors in there that would cause Faced me to... with certain life choices, yeah. given the... What's the word I'm looking for? Given the tools I have within my control. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's, a, it's it's very situational. It's very, yeah, it's several sets of circumstances at play. Right. And since we're supposedly civilized, right? Yes. We have things like religion. We have societal norms. We have different things telling us to control ourselves. But in the animal kingdom, do you think they give a shit? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Someone's after my mate. I'm going to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. And yeah. people, I think people get appalled when people act on their baser instincts, on their mm-hmm. what's called lizard brain. I don't know if you guys had ever heard oh, yeah, that yeah. Term before. Definitely. Yeah. When you let the little devil on your shoulder do the talking, like, do it, do it, fuck it, just do it. Yeah. You know, and we've all acted on lizard brain before. Just whatever, whatever puts you on the straight and narrow. If it's whether you have a family or whether it's consequences, whether it's I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. It be something simple like that. Yeah. But I mean, to bring it back to the more basic thing about empathy, that empathy is an exercise to help you understand why somebody reacted in, in a particular way. Yeah. Not It's not uh, whether you would do it this, act in the same way or whether you felt that it was an appropriate way to act. That's that's the next step of the analysis. But yeah. with emp- yep. empathy in and of itself is like, okay, it's a, it's an objective kind of factual analysis almost. It's like, okay, he was really horrible to Diana. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's going on with him? Yeah. He's in love. It's unrequited. Is he bipolar? Maybe. Is he self-medicating? Definitely. Definitely. Is yeah. he? Obs- I mean, he's written in a way that he's somewhat obsessive compulsive. I mean, you put unrequited love and the object of your affections and something standing in the way of it and you get compulsive about it, then, then your self-regulating gets out of whack. And then you put a crazy vampire lady who's got her own agenda whispering in her ear saying, hey, let's do this. Who needs... Yeah. Who she needs, was the devil on his shoulder. Yeah. yeah. So who, needs, yeah. who needs to declare him on as your devil on your shoulder? You're <laughs> fucked. Yeah. <laughs> You're screwed. He, and you've already been repeating these mantras in your head like, yeah. oh, I must, I must get rid of her. She's the reason why I'm away from my love. So when you repeat yes. that over and over and over in your head, you start believing your own fiction. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and yeah. when Louis Louisa's in your shoulders saying, you know what? <laughs> if you do this, maybe, you know, you'll have your man and, back. And in my next step analysis, is I felt sorry for him because it's like his self-control became so unhinged. He's listening to Louisa. 
like yeah that sucks yeah <laughs> that sucks big time yeah you know when she's being your life coach you yeah, have I mean, a problem yeah, right. you put yourself in his shoes and it's like you know I'm I'm kind of unhinged and I got Louisa as my life coach it's gonna sound yeah this might be a good plan I could I could see if with all those factors coming into play where you had the really bad idea that that would be a good plan yeah and that that's the end of it it's like if you take all those factors and and they still don't get you to the point where I mean like with Benjamin there's there's no way nothing is going to no anything he ever does a good plan and, uh, yeah. and, what, and, and what empathy leads you the exercise of empathy leads you to is that yeah he's utterly beyond redemption in my analysis yeah. I mean but you look at Kit and you start looking at these factors it's like okay if he wasn't obsessive compulsive and self-medicating or, or maybe if he wasn't laboring under the under the burden of also being a spy and a homosexual and Puritan tutor England and yeah. maybe if he wasn't also at the mercy of having to have a patron because he is a poor artist. I mean, yeah. if you start taking those factors out and then it's like, well, maybe he wouldn't have acted that way. Right. Matthew pretty much supports him. Mm-hmm. I mean, so Diana makes that insecure. If your livelihood or the roof over your head is threatened, how would you act? Yeah. Right. So you, you have to really take all the factors in. And I'm not taking away from people who want to just, you know, vent on there because we've had years to look at these books. And, yeah, and, and it's think. only until last, I mean, I think last year was finally where I stepped away from the fact that he's a bitchy, bitter queen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and Matthew's the ultimate enabler. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I, I really had a problem with him for a long, long time until we sat down and started digging into this empathy analysis. And it's like, yeah. oh, man. Poor dude. Yeah. You're almost like, this poor dude. Like, this is just <laughs> like, it's like, well, I was like, poor dude. It's like, this is like a perfect storm of, oh, shit. Right. Yeah. It's like, for me, it was like, oh, you still suck. But yeah. I, yeah. I get it. <laughs> you don't have to say poor kid and have sympathy, feel bad for him, you know, and you don't have to judge him. But can you see where he's coming from? Can you at least do that? Yeah. You don't have to say, you don't have to say anything nice about him. Yeah. You know, just, like, no. I mean, like I said, uh, I, yeah, maybe I, I pity, and pity and sympathy are two different things because I pity him because it's like, look at the hole he put himself in. He's never going to get out of it. When you're in the outside looking in, it's very easy to see. And when you remove yourself emotionally from that whole situation, you look at it and you're yeah. like, yeah, that's where that went wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and even Diana, Diana applied empathy, empathy. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? And, and she said, I can't hate you. I, I love him too. I, right. I yeah. get it. I don't get what you're doing here. I, but... <laughs> I don't like the way you're treating me and I'm heartily sick of you, but I get it. Yeah. Right? I totally get it. Yeah. Well, and they, they say that fiction is the exercise in empathy. Fiction readers or readers of fiction are more likely to be empathetic. If you're doing yeah. it right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Deb did it right here because oh, the man. emotions evoked out of these people. And listen, if one of you are listening to this podcast, go ahead. And that's what the, that discussion group is for. So you have a platform to vent and you're looking for other people to affirm you and making sure, hey, am I crazy here? And I'm saying, no, you're not crazy because Kit was wackadoo and he was a mess and he was a brat. At, but I'm saying if you look at it further away from it and kind of detach yourself from it, yeah, you can. That's what the lesson in empathy is. Empathy sometimes too is that like, okay, yeah, he's a wackadoo and he's this and he's that, and it's like, okay, you take the step back and go, okay, there's all these factors here. How could he be anything but? Yeah, how could you not? After how all how these could things? you have avoided all that? Maybe not having Matthew enable him so much might have been helpful. First yeah, of all, right? But we also don't have... know what 1590s Matthew and he were up to, so... 
Yeah. Maybe he liked factor. Maybe he liked the attention. I mean, I'm not saying that they were lovers, but maybe he liked the attention. Maybe he liked the fact that the preeminent poet of the day thought he was the shit. I mean, it's an ego builder there. I mean, Christopher Marlowe is the father of blank verse as we know it. Right. He's a BFD. He is. He is. And um, (laughs) Deb did a really good job there because he evoked all these emotions Uh from all of these people and uh, got people talking about Marlowe again. Yeah, yep. that's true. It was, a, it was an interesting thread to read. But mm-hmm. stepping away, I do see, yeah, no, I'm not going to chastise these people. I'm not going to chastise anybody. Sure. Get it out. Let it out. You guys, yeah. this this is your platform to let it out. Like oh, these microphones are our platforms. But, <laughs> but on the other hand, don't reject. Don't reject empathy as a tool and don't confuse empathy with sympathy. Yeah. Not the same thing. No one told Deb did not say you will like Kit Marlowe after I'm done with you. No, mm. no. She said he you was some, not designed that way. You use some empathy and think about whether you would have behaved any differently, just like she does with her students with Henry the Eighth. Mm-hmm. Remind everybody what that was, because that she she well, went through that. In she our went through thing it with when we were in uh, Seattle. Seattle. At the yeah. Uh, yeah. She was talking about how so many of her students come in and think he's like the most horrible monster in the world and that she walks them through an exercise in empathy. And it's like, Okay, think about when you were 18 years old and think about having basically the control of the Western world and unlimited money and unlimited power at your disposal when you're barely 18. Yeah. Can you see his motivation? Can you can you see where all of this started going off the wheels? Think about the fact he had no supervision. His parents were dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only time you get to become <laughs> king start, or queen. Start, well, his mother could have been alive, but I don't think his mother no, was No, I know. Alive but I'm either. just saying, yeah. when, you, when you don't have solid guidance, it's usually because the most important people around you are either dead and firm or sent away. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, and, and that's one of her teaching tools. It just made me think when I was 18 and boy, I wasn't thinking God. I was fucking out of college with a 1.25 average. Yeah. Because <laughs> nobody was watching over me. Academic probation. Here I come. You know, rule yeah. kingdom. Not me. Well, no supervision. Right. I don't oh. need to go to class. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Class was optional. It was a suggestion. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So before we go off the rails, let's end this segment. And after uh, this, we'll go to last thoughts and things we can't let go of. Find our podcast wherever it is you like to listen to your podcast shows. You can contact us directly by emailing us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail. Call us at 360-519-7836. Or you can reach us on SpeakPipe. And that is speakpipe.com slash demonsdiscuss. Now become a discusser. And how you do that is go to demonsdiscuss.com. Scroll down, fill out the little short form, name, email address, Fill out the code so we know you're not a spammer. Submit that and you'll be a discusser and we'll just get to discuss things. So do that. We embed a form on each and every one of the show notes so you can just fill that out too. That's an easy way to get a hold of us. And don't forget to visit our home base. That is demonsdomain.com. Everything we're doing, you'll find there, including our giveaways, our blog posts on the characters, on places. See everywhere Angela goes because she makes some trips, let me tell you. And we can't wait to hear from you. We'll see you on the internet. 
All right. So, Jean, you have any last thoughts? I did have a last thought. And it actually okay. comes back to the line about that you loved about mooning about in the antechambers. Mm-hmm. Where Philippe caught Matthew outside the doorway. And uh, it, it comes to mind. It's like, yeah, Matthew was afraid enough of Philippe to not actually sneak into her room. Yeah. I mean, it occurs to me at the end of the day, part of the reason he was afraid afraid to do that is he knew that Philippe would do the exact same thing that Baldwin did at the beginning of the Book of Life. Philippe would mm-hmm. not have thought twice about barging in and oh, no. yanking him yeah. out of that bed. That's true. So that's a good observation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I th- never even thought about that. Yeah. Just saying that's that seems to be the thing that's the tipping point against Baldwin for a lot of people is like the only reason that Philippe didn't do it is he didn't have to. That's, that's a good last thought. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. All right, Angela, am I coming back to you or should I? Yes, please. All right, I'll come back to you. All right. So my last thought was I was just telling the girls yesterday was Patreon Day means our first check was cash, guys. Yay! <laughs> Yay! So uh, the first plans is we're going to order all of the things like the stickers and the tote bags to be manufactured. Uh-huh. And for you patrons, we'll send it all out there Yay! and it, we'll send it out to you guys after they're manufactured, shipped to me, and then I'll ship it out to you guys. So that's how we're going to run this thing for now. And thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. It was weird, though, because I opened it up. I'm like, oh, my God, it's really happening. There's money coming in. We're, we're, <laughs> no. No, we're no longer officially self-funded. It, right. This is happening. Oh, yeah, my thank God. You. It's thank not you theoretical. so much. Big thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank so, you guys. so much. And again, if you guys are interested in becoming a patron to get our exclusive after show, um, that will be <laughs> patreon.com slant discuss. And that is all. Mocking mocking your sponsorship is free of charge. Yes. Free of charge. <laughs> yes. if, you're, if you're really lucky, you'll get a dick joke. <laughs> Except for Stephen, because that would be offensive. That's offensive. <laughs> no, not not our discusser no, in chief. We'll just, no. we just sing to our discusser in chief. That's true. Steve. Okay, let me stop. <laughs> Angela, <sighs> I am back to you, my dear. Yeah, I don't really. I mean, my last thought is just book news again. So Deb had posted that she's editing Times Convert. So Woo-hoo! that is going to become more and more prevalent in our universe going forward because World of All Souls is coming in a couple months and then we get to focus on the con and Times Convert. But the fact that she's doing editing is a good sign. Yes, we're, we're, close. We're, we're closing in on the finish line, people. Yay. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Totally. And I like that we have a balance to the TV show. Yes. 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 We got books coming out as well as this TV show. So the TV show is only going to be eight episodes. So we'll have time to do books and TV shows. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. All right. Uh, we told the people what they need to hear. I don't think we have anything else to tell. No, we don't. Not nope. today. All right. So let's say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Demon kiss. Mwah. And we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.